Thank you. <coughs> now, I'm just going to talk. I'm just doing my own sound check while I talk, just to check the volume. Uh, that's the nature of being the sound guy and the preacher. Is that, is that okay? Everyone can hear? It's not boom? Cool. Good. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, obviously, uh, we are doing the Ten Commandments this year, as we've learned over the last four weeks. We started off with uh, Shall Not Covet, and I get to introduce the, the next one, Commandment 9. We're working uh, back to front. It's uh, thou shall not lie or do not give false testimony against your neighbour. Uh, but, but firstly, I just want to uh, thank Chris and Vicky for the opportunity to preach. Uh, it's been five years since I last, I last preached, so hopefully I remember the basics like which way to stand and, uh, and, and how to talk. So I, I should be okay. I, I do training for a bit of a living, so ho- hopefully it goes okay. Um, I'll, I'll just, just pray as, as we get started this morning. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for your commandments. Thank you for what they, they do for us in, in our lives and in our society and, and the guidelines you've provided. Father, I pray this morning is not just teaching, it's not just words. Father, as you have spoken, I, I expect transformation this morning. I expect that uh, chains will be broken and that there will be freedom for the captives this morning, God. I, I declare, Holy Spirit, you're moving right now in people's lives and... I declare in faith that we will see transformation this morning. Thank you, God. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, d- just the first statement. Good, cool, cool. I, I, I might retire. Um, so, yeah, the, the, uh, t- the commandment is Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. It says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, we have abbreviated this and... and shrunk it down as we do in Australian society. We shrink things down but, but globally we've changed it to you shall not lie. It's just a simplified version. But it's, it's worth looking at the original intent and purpose of uh, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. Because there's this interesting thing when you are reading the Bible, there's things that don't always make sense and don't seem to match up at, at first reading and, and cause confusion. And it would be a miss of me as someone sharing to not acknowledge that sometimes it can be a little confusing to understand and, and need to dig a little deeper. For instance, there are people in the Bible that considered to have lied uh, or have outright lied and is still being acknowledged by God or favoured by God or rewarded for actions. So how, how does that work? Uh, as an example, Rahab, uh, she was a prostitute in Jericho. She harboured the spies from Israel that came in and then when she was confronted about whether or not these people, uh, were, the spies were there, she declared that they weren't. She outright lied to protect the spies. Now, a, a modern or a, a recent equivalent of that sort of situation could be the case of Corrie ten Boom in, in Germany. Uh, Hitler, uh, the Nazis, harboring Jews and trafficking Jews out of Germany, giving them safe passage. If the Nazis were to turn up to your doorstep asking if they were if you were harboring Jews or you knew where any were, what would, what would the answer be? Now, that's a difficult question. It's not likely that any of us are going to be in such a situation, but it's worth considering that in, in that case, it's kind of the lesser of two evils. A, a lie to protect the lives and the murderous intent and the genocide of a nation. Uh, I, I know which one I'd like to go down. I can't say until I'm ever in that situation exactly which way I'd go. But when you look at the story of Rahab, she was never actually praised or acknowledged or uh, 
yeah, praise for the fact she lied. She was honoured for the fact she had faith and fear of God. So it's more about looking at how they were acknowledged. And, and there's people like Jacob as well. Now, he looked like he had deception. And, and it's, it, I mean, we could spend a whole, a whole message just on each one of those stories. But I, I don't want to get too much into that. But it's just worth acknowledging that there are cases in the Bible that might seem to trip us up or kind of wonder how, how does that work. But the original intent of you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour is in a judicial sense. Think of it as Chris explained in the first week of the commandments. The commandments were given to a nation that had been slaves for 40, no, 400 years. They were 400 years in Egypt as slaves living under the rule of another nation, being whipped and lashed every day, starvation, hunger, seven days a week, probably 18 hours a day of work. So they've come out and they've been given guidelines for a society. These are the 10 foundational principles and rules to set up their society. So in a judicial sense, what we get is the, the wording points to uh, its legal proceedings where you needed, in, in, when they set up their judicial system, they needed to have instruction. They, they didn't want chaos in their society. We can't have people going around just uh, murdering and killing people and stealing. They, they needed some way to measure, once these commandments are broken, how do we know what, what's true and, and how do we correct people? So the judicial, judicial system was based off having two or more witnesses to a case of murder or a case of stealing, theft, a, a, anything breaking these commandments. So thou shalt not lie was super important and was the foundation of that judicial process to the point where the punishment for lying in the Israelite society was potentially death. It was the same punishment as what the person was accused of. In, so if, if I was accused of murder and you were a witness saying that I murdered somebody, but indeed I didn't, and you just had a grudge against me and my family, then it was found out, then you would be murdered as well, or you would be executed. For If I had stolen something, then that same punishment would come against you. So it's very important, the thou shalt not lie or give false testimony against your neighbour is really at the core of their society, the core principle of how do you trust the system and how do you trust the country that you're growing up in? How do you know that you can walk out your door in the morning and know that whatever happens, you know, things don't always go right, but ultimately truth will come out in the end and we need some measure, some kind of center point to measure that is truth and there would be punishment if people deviated from that. We needed something to set people on the course, otherwise it would just would have been chaos and anarchy. So that's really the foundation of the, of the commandment. It's from a judicial point of view, it's about witnesses and people not uh, getting, getting punishment or crimes against other people and making sure that there was something that people could, you know, widows, children, uh, teens, young people could go out in the streets and know that ultimately the system or the, the judicial process was there to protect them because uh, it was based on witnesses and there would be a punishment against people that would lie against them. So that's kind of the, the core of, of, the, of the commandment. So what I'd like to do, just to set up, because I want to have a look at, I'm sort of introducing uh, across the four weeks, so I'll spend a bit more time on sort of an introduction to the idea this morning. Um, and over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some other things. I'm going to look at the, the scheme of lying and how it affects our society and, and what, what it looks like today in, in modern Australian culture, modern, modern uh, global culture. Now, 
in, in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll look at things more like character, um, ha- how it affects our relationships, go into a more of a practical level. How do we apply? What does truth look like individually in our lives? But this morning, I really believe that God said to me this week that there have been lies, that the environment we're in is full of lies. Uh, and and I'll, I'll show you some examples. But there have been lies that have been spoken about people and to people and over people here in church. And this morning, God wants to break those. Uh, as we as we sang earlier, He wants to break these chains. Now, I didn't actually speak to George about the song choice he put this week. Actually, it was the same. same I felt the same day uh, about what would happen or I'd hoped to happen in the message this morning. Uh, he, he sent out to the musicians what the songs would be, and, and I just thought it was a perfect choice. So I just want to declare up front that I'm expecting that chains would be broken over people's lives this morning about the lies that have been spoken to them. And sometimes when God does things, that's when I get all choked up. So, you know, you'll get used to that over time. It's about the only time I do get choked up, ex- except for watching Marley and me. But uh, 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 other than that... I ask Carmen, I don't really get choked up at home, except for either when God moves or we watch Marley and me. Uh, maybe it's the same thing. Uh, okay, so what I like to do is, there's a great movie, one of my favourite uh, movies from, oh, I can't remember how long, 10, 15 years ago, so time, time flies uh, so much, but I just want to show you a clip which perfectly illustrates, uh, kind of as an introductory idea to where we are at the moment. So Jane, if we could play that first video, please. Uh, the big, big liar. Uh, the, f- the one above that. <laughs> called big. It should be called big liar. Down to have a quick look. Is it? Is it there? Okay. Buckets jumped out of... Uh, I'll, I'll just explain. Okay, so the movie, the clip was Liar, Liar. Uh, so Jim Carrey, uh, probably there's, there's not many actors that could play this role particularly well. So do, do we roughly all know this, this story or the movie? So Liar, Liar, I'll just describe the, the scene that happens. So he's a lawyer. He work, walks into his office every day. There's the same routine that happens. Walks into this office. There's the reception desk pers- girl who pops up and has this crazy crazy face, crazy hair, and says, Hi! And his reaction, it, to every reaction and every uh, interaction of people coming into him, it's all about flattery or he's kind of avoiding the truth because he just wants to kind of get on with his day. So she says, Oh, do you like what I've done? She's like, Yes! That looks kind of like it's all the rage these days, isn't it? Yeah, that's wonderful! And kind of keeps walking and then there's this a big guy comes by and said, oh, you're a, a double-strike guy, you've got talent and looks and kind of flattery and, and, and charm. And, and then the next guy comes by for the lunch order. He's got this huge zit on his nose and, and, and the camera kind of focuses on the zit and he's like, would you like lunch? And he's like, no, I'll be okay. And just kind of avoiding past. And there's another guy that says, hey. And he's like, Hey, you can't remember your name, but and he goes on, and he's got a son with him, and 
it's the son's birthday tomorrow and and when he gets to his PA's desk she says have you remembered uh, or, his son mentions about the birthday and the PA and the son talk about the birthday and he's like oh I forgot and the son says have you bought anything for me and it's like yes go into the office and go send a fax to your girlfriends because it's you know, pre-email prolific and so he's covering up and, and then the, the PA is reeling off the task for the day okay so need to uh, this person's calling up again he says oh okay what, what's the latest uh, the latest sickness going around cool uh, like bird flu or something so cool that, that's great top of it love it uh, your mum's called oh I'm on holiday for the fifth week in a row uh, yes, yes, yeah, the, the, the phones are broken. So he's just avoiding, at every case, making up a story, making up a lie to get out of this, the situations that present him in front, uh, present in front of him. So it's just, I wanted to show as an example of what, what we see in our, in our modern society today. So I'm doing, doing a bit of background, a bit of research. There's a really interesting thing came out this week in regards to reality TV. Now, we, we might all have a perception of this kind of unknown thing that if you're going to go on the block, then you're kind of opening up yourself or on the voice that there might be some creative editing and you might not be portrayed exactly. They'll, they'll mix stuff that happened before and after and put it and mix up the timeline. Does everyone kind of think that it's not going to be an exact reality? Well, a preview came out of the contract from the voice in the US, uh, a, a leak of the contract which uh, actually says if anyone leaks it, they'll be sued for millions of dollars and, and liable for that, but it still came out. So it's published in the Daily News, and it states outright, the network has the right to portray a contestant in a false light. Just straight outright. Uh, f- further on it says they can replace a, contestants, a contestant in the series for any reason whatsoever, just because the producer feels like it could be a good enough reason at their sole discretion and depict contestants in a way that may be disparaging, defamatory, embarrassing, and may expose them to public ridicule, humiliation, or condemnation. In their contract, all for the name of ratings. Like, we kind of might have expected a little bit of that, that there might be, things might not always be as they seem, and they, they always jazz up the ads to make it look more intense and more exciting, and you should actually dig in. But at, the network has the right to portray a contestant in a false light, so then you can't go back and and sue them for that. Now, uh, I'll mention a couple of quotes this morning. Uh, J. John had a, had a quote when he talks about uh, lying as lies breed cynicism and cynicism, cynicism corrodes trust. So it's, it's really important to look at when we see more and more lies, in the case of the, the Liar Liar movie, a, a lawyer sharing a lot more and more lies, there's less it creates cynicism ultimately leading to a lack of trust so I looked up and you might have seen in the past these these lists of the most trusted or the most distrusted uh, or mistrusted whatever least trusted uh, jobs that there are in society so at the top uh, from uh, last year uh, nurses, doctors, pharmacists engineers, school teachers that's sort of the, the top five now at the, at the, the bottom end of the list in reverse order, so the least to the fifth least, car salesmen, advertising people, real estate agents, state MPs and insurance brokers, and then federal MPs, union, uh, union leaders, stockbrokers. Now, it's interesting that, and unfortunate, we're talking, Chris mentioned in, 
offering about uh, politics and, and praying for uh, our leaders and voting them in, when they have elections, it's kind of now a thing in our culture that we expect they're lying to us. We're expecting they're hiding the truth. And how is that healthy? It's just this point we've got to where so many uh, promises have been broken that there's this distrust. We, we don't trust people when they make promises. And then that filters down to our relationships, our family. We can't trust the people that are governing us because of the history. And, and there can be all sorts of reasons things don't happen the way they're promised. But ultimately it leads to state MPs and federal MPs being in the top six of least trusted professions from from an Australian survey last year. I've got an example I want to uh, show you. Also talk about... Jane, if you could please put up the uh, first header. A couple of headlines. Now, you you might have heard about, in 2012, the CEO of Yahoo, one of the biggest internet companies in the world, he lost his job after about four months because it was discovered he had lied on his resume. And so I've got... uh, some quick examples of seven executives I'll just cover a couple of them so go back that busted for lying on their resumes so, and some of them did it in their early careers and then it came out later on so and ultimately it talks about truth ends up coming out in the end it's, we, we can lie and, and one of them talks about they it became so much of this uh, this beast that they couldn't control it and because they had started, it just ultimately ended up uh, overruling their life and they, they had no control in the end because once the, the snowball starts rolling, then you lose control. So the Yahoo CEO uh, lost his job after it was discovered he lied on his resume uh, and he tried to blame it on the headhunting firm, hired him a decade ago, but he didn't correct it uh, ever since. A chief financial officer of Veritas Software, a life educational background, he, had, uh, he said he had an MBA. It was discovered he did not have an MBA from Stanford or an accounting degree as he had asserted from Arizona University. The uh, Notre Dame University uh, football coach, he lied about his educational and uh, playing background. And in a statement that he sent out in regards to these, he said, O'Leary said he misrepresented himself early in his career in an effort to land a job. Quote, these misstatements were never stricken from my resume or biographical sketch in later years. Misstatements, interesting. Uh, this happened in New Zealand. Uh, there's a Maori television service, which is a dedicated TV network in, in the Maori language in New Zealand. The CEO, just after it launched, got sentenced to eight months in jail for lying on his resume. His fo- uh, sorry, after se- yeah, seven weeks. He said he had an MBA from the... Uh, school that didn't exist, and he authored two books that never existed as well. <laughs> and uh, the former president of the US Olympic Committee, she was the one that said, but once it was published, it got paralyzing. So the, these lies, they just became a, a paralyzing state in the end. Now, it's just interesting, and now we've created, in, in our society, we have these these words for for, for lying that have, have changed. Uh, let me have a look. So some examples of types of lying. Modifying the truth. Bla- blame shifting. Bro- broken promises. In, in Matthew 5.37, Jesus says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. I'll just uh, say for people who might know Facebook events as an example. 
uh, they're, they're kind of like a pet peeve. You've got an opportunity to RSVP to an event. There's a yes, no, and a maybe. Now, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and no be no. As an example, if it's better to say no and then turn up than it is to say yes and to not turn up. Uh, it's, and if, if you can't make a decision, I, I have a personal policy as I'm up, to never hit maybe unless there's an absolute, like something's pre-booked and only if that changes then I can turn up. Some people just will say, oh, maybe, because they just want to wait till the day before and see if a better offer comes along. Because they don't want to commit. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Like churches on a Sunday, I've, I've planned to be at church on a Sunday, so anything else that comes up, pre-made decision, I won't be there. Or somebody invites you over for dinner or a barbecue, yes, I'll be there. Even if the Queen invites me over, I will be there because I've said I will be there. Uh, work. Taking long lunch breaks putting on your timesheet that you only took an hour, it was an hour and a quarter. I've never done that. Um, work expense reports, you know, tax reports, tax expenses. Faking a sickie. Not being sick. And not turning up to work and saying you're sick. Maybe. I'm sure no one here has done that. Uh, presenting yourselves online. This is a, something we see a lot of these days. Uh, Facebook, personal profiles, how are we representing ourselves? Some new words for lying. Under-reporting on our tax. It's estimated in the US it costs $385 billion a year in lost tax revenue. Now, now that ultimately leads on to businesses not getting funded, uh, social security not getting funded, the, the poor and the impoverished not getting the support they need from the state. What, what if the $385 billion could go a long way. But the ironic thing about that fact is because people are mis- or under-reporting, it's actually an estimate. They don't actually know because they don't because people aren't declaring the right figure, they don't actually know. Some other words for like misstatement from that article that Yahoo article I read before. Gossip, flattery, spin doctors, reputation management is one of the, one of the new terms for P, for PR. Uh, politicians and uh, personal favourite, which we might relate to if you spend time on computers, Photoshop. A new, new version of lying. We're misrepresenting something that's uh, original. Maybe some lighting. Okay, but you know, when body shapes are getting changed, that's lying and misrepresenting the original. Uh, lying is so closely entwined with some of the other commandments. So often, if you're lying, you would be ultimately... St- uh, you're stealing from somebody else because if I'm lying on my resume I'm stealing the opportunity for a pay rise or a promotion or a new job from someone else so they have lost out because I've lied to, to gain advantage if I lie about somebody else then I'm character assassinating them or as Jesus says uh, in, if we speak words of anger about somebody we're actually murdering them and, and it's breaking that commandment if we lie about our parents then we're not honouring our parents and so lying actually is kind of like a gateway in some ways to many of the other, or it's so closely intertwined that to do one, we have to do the other, which is really interesting to, to consider. Now, at, at the, the fundamental thing of lying, we need to understand it, and it's a whole message in itself, but God is, is true. And, and there's this whole thing about relativism, and, you know, everyone... Each religion's relative, and you can believe whatever you believe, and you, you'll get there in the end. But I'll just declare a couple of statements that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. 
So you cannot believe in relativism and Christianity because Jesus at the core of Christianity says it's either us or it's not us. You, you can't believe in a, a bit of both. And you, can't, you can't believe Jesus was a good man uh, leading revolutions and people saying you know, they'll, they'll die. He was either God or he was a nutter. You can't, you can't believe that he was, he was a wise man because ultimately his followers would go and get executed because they so firmly believed in what they were uh, saying. Now, when we get to science, we understand that there, is, there are absolutes and there is truth. And that the nature of relativism, see, for everything to be relative, then that in itself, if everyone is relative and has relative truth, I try not to be confusing, then that in itself is an absolute. So the mere nature of relativism it, uh, is counteractive to the f- fact, it's actually saying, if we say everything is relative, then we're actually saying there are absolute truths. It's, so it's, we're actually denying, uh, as J. John says, one of the many flaws is the paradox to make relativism absolute truth is actually to deny relativism in the first place. So I'll, I'll leave that with you. Cool. I'll, what I'll do, I'll just... Now, I want to talk about Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, verse 1, we see that uh, this is pre the kings in Israel. The Israelites are being oppressed. God said, if you follow my ways, you'll be blessed. Uh, But they had chosen to kind of ignore them. And there's this pattern in the Old Testament. They ignore and then things don't go their way. And then they cry out to God and he saves them. It's all because of their own stupidity. Because he just states, if you just follow my ways, if you don't follow these other gods, it'd be okay. So there's this environment where the Midianites are coming in and stealing from the Israelites. They're running over the lands, and the Israelites run and hide and are scared. So that's just a, a, little, bit of, a little bit of context. Now, interestingly, the Midianites were actually distant relatives of the Israelites. So they're hiding from their own relatives. Dan, if you could please put up the, uh, the, the first one in regards to uh, hiding places. So in verse 2, uh, it says, Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Because of what was happening in their society, they were hiding and they were sheltering. They, they were going into small places. Now, I, I wonder what, we may, what our reaction may be as, as things maybe have stolen from us, people lying, stealing opportunities from us. Does that make us withdraw? Does that make us hide in the little clefts? Does that make us hide from our, our destiny and the calling God has put on us? Maybe the gifts for a certain type of job, we just kind of settle for something else. Uh, in in the, the sec, I think I've got a second one there, please, Jane. So Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They had to take an action. They recognized that they had, had failed in some ways and they, needed, they cried out. They had to take an action, realize God was the way, the way out. They needed to cry out a physical action, a voice to, to call out to God. Now, as um, so, as the the angel of the Lord, Jane will go through the the verses quickly. Angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrath, Ophrath, and belonged to Josh, and where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he was withdrawing, he was holding things away. Now, he, he was very confused. Uh, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was doing something like me building a website on a computer sitting at the bottom of a swimming pool. 
this doesn't really work. It's not the right time or place. It's not going to connect. Uh, you're hiding in a, in a cave without internet, trying to build something you know, in, in a modern application. Uh, to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So God declared, uh, or the angel declared, the Lord is with you. And I want to speak that this morning. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, mighty warrioress. Uh, whoever you are, God is with you. To Gideon's reaction is interesting. It says, uh, pardon me, my Lord, uh, but if the Lord is with us, so his first response is, uh, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> pardon me, but if, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where all his wonders our ancestors told us about? So doubt is creeping in. Doubt is creeping into what he's, uh, what he's heard. Uh, God brought the Israelites out of Moses. Great miracles happened, but doubt is there. In spite of what God has done, there's still doubt. Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, given us into the hand of Midian. Not quite a truth. The Lord hadn't abandoned them. He'd given them over because of their own actions in this case. He'd always promised, if you follow my commandments, you'll be blessed. They chose to go another path. So the Lord didn't actually abandon them. He watched, and when they cried out for help, he answered. He never abandoned them. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, save Israelite out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So God's answer is not so much, it's kind of like he didn't listen, but he did. He gave the answer not that Gideon wanted, he gave him the answer he needed. Is go, I have sent you. That's all you need to worry about. Uh, because when I'm with you, no one can be against you. In spite of this, Gideon's response is, uh, pardon me, my Lord? Uh, but how can I save Israel? God has said to you, you are anointed, you have a gift, you are a child of God, you're a son of God, a daughter of God. But we sometimes go, uh, pardon me, but I... Uh, uh, Really? Um, God says, yes, now is your time. And I want to say that this morning. Now is your time to do this. And he said, oh, but I'm the weakest in my family. I'm, I'm the least in my clan. Uh, God says, in spite of that, the Lord answered again, not with what he wanted to hear, not just a nice and encouraging word. Oh, come on, you'll be all right. Just, just kind of get out there. He says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. Now, we might not be called to strike down Midianites, but God says, I will be with you and you'll set out the purpose. You'll set out the task that you've set to accomplish. I will be with you when you're in your workplace. I will be with you when you're applying for a job. I will be with you as you step out of this oppression that we've sometimes allowed to, to settle on us because of what people have taken from us or spoken over us. When things have been stolen over us, when the lies have been told to us, what are we absorbing or believing from our environment? And again, it shows that close relationship between stealing and lying. As the Midianites were stealing and oppressing them, Gideon absorbed these lies. He said, oh, but I'm the least. I'm the weakest. Rubbish! God says, you mighty warrior, you stand up, you get up. I am sending you and you'll strike down the Midianites. You, will, you have been anointed. You have a specific skill set. Now's the time to go. When theft is around, we lose out, we doubt, the lies and deceit come and wrap us up. But the Lord answered. A couple of times it says the Lord answered. It's not with what he wanted to hear, it's what he needed to hear. Just ask George to come up, please. If we want to be successful and purposeful, we need to stop believing the lies that have been spoken over us. 
and spoken to us. We need to start absorbing what God has said about us. Uh, in John 14:6, Jesus says, as mentioned earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In, in Ephesians, it talks about being sons and daughters of God. In Psalms, it talks about wonderfully formed in his womb. Before I knew you, uh, before you were born, I knew you. God knows us. We need to believe these things he has declared. So, uh, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the oppressed, sight for the blind. These are the things that God says about us. These are the truths we need to believe. So before we get into things in the next couple of weeks of character, I want to take an opportunity to lay it all out and, and come before God this morning and say, God, in spite of the oppression that has come of my life, because of the lies that somebody at work has, has uh, kind of ladder jumped to in the rat race, they've just clambered all over the top of me, I've lost out. Uh, that's happened to me. People personally have made me a scapegoat for uh, their shortcomings and their jobs to protect themselves it's personally happened to me and it takes time to recover i'll acknowledge that it's not a nice situation people they're not intentionally necessarily lying but they're more interested in presenting the truth that will protect themselves and elevate themselves because of who they are so that can happen and, and that's a whole another story that could take a long time to explain but i just want to as we i just ask everybody to stand this morning now, a couple of things I want to do. Firstly, if anybody hasn't had that relationship with God, I just ask and give you the opportunity to step forward. And, or, or, or actually, I'll ask you to raise your hand in, in a moment to come into relationship with God. Maybe things have been spoken over you, you haven't understood, uh, you haven't really been in church, understood what it is to be a Christian. But God says, that he, he laid down his life. Jesus laid down his life for us that we may have eternal life. That is truth. You can believe in other things, but ultimately to believe in Jesus is to, to rule all the other options out. And it's a bold statement, it's a bold step. So I'll just ask with every eye closed whether there may be anybody here this morning that would like to take that step. And if, if so, to come into relationship with God, just to raise your hand this morning. next thing I want to do is open up as the Israelites cried out to, to God. In spite of everything that had been stolen from them and impoverished, they, they cried out. They took a step of faith. They, they voiced to God, now's the time we need action. So God came and met Gideon. And I believe there's some Gideons here this morning that God is saying, the Lord is answering not with the comfortable thing you may want to hear. He's saying, go, mighty warrior, I have anointed you for this task. It's time to step out of this wine-pressed confusion of tasks and jobs and, and things that have caused you to not be who you are called to be. It's time to step out from that this morning. I'm just going to ask George just to... To sing over us this morning. I'm just going to wait. Just, just going to take a couple of minutes. And let God move this morning. But I just encourage you to take a physical step. Raise your hands. Put your hands out. Receive from God.
and, and start praying or, or just listening to God and ask Him what He would have you do in this situation and, and that His power would come upon you this morning. people in this room that f- you feel like the world has stolen things from you. The lies have been spoken over you. God, I felt God say earlier this week, this morning is a step, it's a chance to lay those at the altar. It's time to be restored, to leave these things behind. God is going to restore that which has been lost and stolen. Just declare that again this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this room, God. Thank you for the people, the faithful people we have in this church this morning. Let's just start praying in tongues this morning. Let's just start declaring Holy Spirit is in this place this morning to minister to people's lives. Let's just start crying out whatever prayer language you have, native language, speaking in tongues. Let's just start praying and crying out to God. Thank you, Jesus. this morning. We declare freedom. Thank you, Jesus. We're breaking chains. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon us. He has anointed us to proclaim freedom for the captives. Freedom this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just sing this again. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain, 
as we close this morning, we just thank you, God, that you are the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Just thank you this morning. You declare that over us. Lord, you, you this week, you destroy those lives. You cut those chains away as we, as, we, as we pray, as we worship you during the week, God. We thank you, Lord. Those lies fall away and we believe your truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give Nathan a hand this morning. I personally know how hard he worked to, to bring you that word. So, um, so take it home and, and think about it. Wow, it's time for coffee and bickies. So why don't you stick around? Uh, Liz and David will be up the front to pray for you uh, if you need some extra pair. And we made a little boo-boo about the Connect groups. There is one more before the school holidays, so check the dates. Is that the 7th? seventh and then we have a break so enjoy have a great week everyone